Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Now let's jump into the Word together. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 15 is where we're going to start today. If you are new here or haven't been around in a while, um, at the end of, let's see, we're in March now, aren't we? Yes, we're in March. Uh, at the end of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, at, at the end of January, I spoke a message that I felt like the Lord gave to me about our house. And we've been talking about the five hallmarks of our house, about Hope City Church. A hallmark is a fingerprint. Um, it's what you're known for. And so we've been going through the last five-ish weeks about different hallmarks of our house. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 15 is where we're going to pick up. It's where we've used uh, as, our basic, as our basis for this uh, sermon series that we've been talking about. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, today I'm reading from the New King James translation. And in 2 Chronicles 15, we're going to look in verse 15. And it says, And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul. And he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. Now, just before we jump into this, I just want to remind you all of the other four hallmarks of our house that we've been talking about, so that you're not in the dark, so that you're not sitting here saying, well, that's nice. It's nice to know what one is, but what's the other four that you've been talking about? So the first one we talked about is that we are going to be a house that uncompromisingly seeks God. We looked at Jacob, how Jacob wrestled with the Lord. He wrestled with an angel. You guys know that story in Genesis chapter 22, I think it is, and, and he wrestles with God all night long. He says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And so he wrestles with God, and God changes his name from Jacob to Israel, and that passage of scripture, because Israel means one who wrestles with God and prevails. And so we talked about how we're going to be a house that uncompromisingly seeks God. We're not going to, we're not going to deviate from the word of God. We're going to preach what the word of God says. We're going to seek the presence of God. We're going to be a house. Listen, if you, don't want to be a, if you don't want to go to a church where they're not really interested in being in the presence of God, and we're not really interested in talking about Jesus, they're not really interested in like thinking about Jesus, and they're not really interested in, in telling you how you can live more like Jesus, then I'll tell you what, this isn't, the, this isn't the church for you to be at. You used to go find somewhere else because when you come to church here, we're going to talk about how we can be more like Jesus. My whole job as a pastor is to lead you to Jesus, to help you live lives that look more like Jesus, okay? So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to uncompromisingly seek the presence of God. We're going to be a house that sees that God is with us through signs and wonders. We believe that when God shows up, he brings all of who he is with him, right? You can't separate who God is from the things that he does. So if you need peace, if you need freedom, if you need salvation, if you need restoration, if you need reconciliation, if you need healing, if you need provision, all those things come from being in the presence of God. And so we believe that this is going to be a house where people come here, they're going to see God working and moving. And people are going to come to this house and be transformed and changed by the goodness of God in their lives. You, you really should be excited about that. Like, it's, it really should be something you say, wow, that's exciting because I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to, I don't, I don't want to go to a church that's boring. I don't want to go to a church where we sing a few songs and somebody gets up and talks and you fall asleep while they're talking and somebody's cell phones ring. By the way, let's just shut our cell phones off before, I don't know what's been going on lately, but like, just let's just shut our cell phones off. 
and you know, it's like a boring church. I want to go to a church where we, the God we see in the word of God in the Bible shows up. I want to be a church where when people say, oh, you're a Christian, you go to church. Isn't church just like this? And you can say, no, man. Let me tell you about what happened when we went to the house of God last week. Let me tell you about the sick people that were healed. Let me tell you about the broken people that God set free. Let me tell you about my friend who dealt with this addiction their entire life and came into the presence of God, and this is what happened to him. Isn't that, isn't that better than just like, oh, I went to church on Sunday. What did the preacher talk about? I don't know. It was really boring. I fell asleep but I did go to Denny's afterwards and it was amazing. I can tell you all about what I ate at Denny's or Wendy's or Bozini's or Greek Islands or wherever it is you go. We're gonna be a house that everybody sees that God is with us. We're gonna be a house, Pastor Jenny spoke last week and we talked about being a house of worship. We're gonna be a house that worships God. And you know what I loved? I'm, if you were here, who was here last week? It was only after the 11 o'clock service, wasn't it? That we, when people just stayed and worshiped. Yeah, yeah, last week during the 11 o'clock service, what? Last week during the 11 o'clock service, Pastor Jenny spoke on, like, being a house of worship, and then, I don't know, I don't know how we got there, but she just got up on the piano, and the worship team was up, and we just stayed and worshiped God, and I think, I think we dismissed everybody, and everybody just stayed and continued to worship God, and it reminded me of Joshua in the Old Testament, when, when Moses and Joshua would go meet the Lord in the, in the tabernacle, in the tent, the Bible says that Moses would leave, but Joshua would stay behind in the presence of God. Last week reminded me of that, where they would just stay in the presence of God, just worship God, because the presence of God is where you get everything that you need. So we're going to be a house that worships God. We're going to be a house that is a house of rest. You know, we're living in a season and a day and age where people are tired, right? People are tired. People are wore out. We believe that God is a God of peace, that God is a God of rest. When you come into his presence, you will find the peace and the rest that you need, amen? So we believe that people that are wore out from the world, that are tired, that are weary, that are anxious, that are wore down, they will come through those doors, and as they encounter the presence of Jesus Christ, they will be refreshed and renewed, and they will leave this house rested and ready to continue the work that God has for each and every one of us to do. And so the last thing is, is we're going to be a house of freedom we sang a lot of songs about freedom today, and I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people in the world alive right now that are bound up, that are chained up, that are dealing with all kinds of things in their life from the past, from past relationships, from past hurts, from past wounds, addictions that they've carried for far too long. And I'm telling you today, I want to tell you, if we don't get any further than this, I've already been talking for seven minutes. If I don't get much further than this, here's what I want to tell you today. We're going to be a house of freedom. And the Lord Jesus Christ came down from heaven to earth and went to the cross so that you and me could live a life free from the works of the enemy in our life. So that you don't have to walk around bound up and chained up and carrying hurts and wounds for decades. That your, that your addictions don't have to be the addictions of the next generation. That your trauma doesn't have to carry to the next generation. The Lord Jesus Christ came and his blood was shed for you and me so that he could sever those things once and for all. So here it is in, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 15. It says, All Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul, and he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. The first thing I want to show you in this passage of Scripture is it says they took an oath, and that oath was that they were going to serve God with everything they had. 
okay? And it says here, they took an oath for they had sworn in their hearts, right? So oaths start in your heart. This is something they said in their heart. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to be. I'm going to swear with all of my heart to be this. And then it says that he, they, um, with all their heart, and then they sought him with all their soul. Your soul, listen, you are made up of three parts. You are a spirit, you live in a body, and you have a soul. Just so we're clear. This part of me that you're staring at right now, the part that looks like a, a live version of Gru, this part will die and be buried one day. And I hope when I get to heaven, I don't look like Gru no more. <laughs> if we're just being real, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the hope in my heart that I carry. What? Super Gru. <laughs> Thanks, babe. <laughs> so I am a spirit. The spirit is the eternal part of me that will live when this body dies. And then I also have a soul, and my soul is made up of my mind, my will, and my emotions. Okay, so my soul and my spirit are all packed up inside of this body that you're staring at. One day this body's going to be gone, and it says here that in their heart they, they made an oath, and then with all of their soul, all of their mind, all of their will, all of their emotions, they sought God. So they said, we're going to back up this oath that we've made to seek God with everything that we are, with all that we have, with, our, with all of my mind, with all of my thoughts, with all of my actions, with every piece of my being, I'm going to seek God. And so they backed up the oath made in their heart with their mind and their will and their emotions. And the Bible says that when they did that, they found God. You want to find God? then seek him with everything that you have. Make an oath in your heart to say, this is who I'm going to be. This is the person. This is the man I'm going to be. This is the woman I'm going to be. I'm going to seek God with all that I have. And don't just make the oath in your heart and just leave it there, but then back it up with everything that you are, your mind and your will and your oceans. Make your life, your lifestyle, your choices line up to the word of God. Make your lifestyle line up to the things that this book says that your life should look like. Well, that's fun, isn't it? So it says, when they did that, he was found by them. And then it says, and the Lord gave them rest all around. I want to remind you of this, that true rest, that true freedom comes from one place. And that's from God. That's from his presence. The world will tell you all different kinds of ways to find freedom. The world will give you all different ways to find rest. If you do this, if you, if you say this chant, if you play, if you burn this incense, if you go over here and do this, if you just close your eyes and you rest and just think of nothing else, you'll fall asleep and have pure bliss and pure, great. You know what? Those things are all temporary and, and, and like that'll last for a moment, maybe. But I want to tell you the real rest that you're looking for, the rest that weary souls need, the freedom that, that broken people need, the freedom that people who are chained up by the works of the enemy, the real, that freedom, that stuff comes from the presence of God. And no self-help book, I mean, self-help books are great and they give you insight and they give you wisdom, but the real freedom, the power to break those things, the power to break addictions, that comes from one place and that place is the presence of Jesus Christ. So don't, don't listen, don't hear me say, like, go read books. Yes, get wisdom, get insight, but then take that to the feet of Jesus and say, here I am, do what only you can do in my life. All right, so then it says, the Lord gave them rest. Now, I want to tell you this, because we're talking about freedom, right? And you're like, well, you keep using the word rest. The scripture says the word rest, but you keep saying freedom, because we're going to be a house of rest. We're also going to be a house of freedom. 
So let's look in the Hebrew at this word freedom and look at what it means here. So this word is the Hebrew word nuah, and it means this, to rest, to settle, to settle down. It refers to the hand of the Lord on something. It also means freedom from one's enemies. It can mean to leave alone, to let be, and to not bother. Freedom from one's enemies. Does anybody here have any enemies in your life? Listen, you know what? In the 9 o'clock service, everybody had enemies in their life. So either, either all of y'all are like just better than everybody in the 9 o'clock service, or you're just not as honest. Let me, let me tell you for myself, I have enemies in my life. We all have enemies. An enemy is anything that causes you to have to struggle and to work through it. Anything that is trying to cause you to move away from the presence of God. Anything that is trying to stop you from being who God has created you to be. That's an enemy. We're not talking about somebody sitting outside in the parking lot waiting to beat you up after church. That is an enemy, but there's also other enemies that you encounter, right? An enemy can be lust. An enemy can be lack. An enemy can be sickness. An enemy can be a bad relationship that you need to cut off and sever in your life so that you can get free. An enemy can be anything that stops you from getting into the presence of God. So I think most of us could probably say we have some enemies in our life. <laughs> okay, there we go. Now we're being honest. So when he says, the Lord gave them rest, he means the Lord gave them freedom as well. And let me tell you, let me tell you what the word freedom means. Now for this, you know how much, if you've come to Hope City before, you know how much I really love Webster's 1828 dictionary. It's the best dictionary. It's way better than Webster's 2023 dictionary. It's better than Webster's 1947 dictionary. Webster's 1828 dictionary is the real dictionary. And it says this, you ready for this? A state of exemption from the power or control of another. Liberty, exemption from slavery, servitude, or confinement. I'm going to read that for you again because I don't feel like you really, that really sunk in the way that it needs to. So freedom is the state of exemption from the power or control of another. Liberty, exemption from slavery, servitude, or confinement. You all know what exemption means, correct? Exemption means you are exempt from something, that you don't have to be involved in it anymore, that you are removed from it. I told everybody in the 9 o'clock service, like, think about it this way. Like, say Sarah is exempt from paying taxes. It means Sarah no longer has to pay taxes. And, yeah, see? See? Now, listen, we're talking about being free in our own lives. Why aren't y'all cheering about that? You are exempt you are exempt from the power or control of another. We're talking about the power or the control the enemy tries to have over you. And right here, the definition of freedom is you are exempt from that power or control that he tries to have over you because of the work of Jesus Christ. Exempt. You know, let me, let me give you another example. Uh, years ago, me and Jen were in New York City uh, just hanging out because New York City is a cool place to hang out. If you haven't hung out in New York City, I don't even know if you're living life, to be honest. We were downtown, uh, obviously, because basically all of New York is downtown. But we were downtown at this, at this um, I don't know, this, like, this store, shopping store. Everybody said, you have to go to this store and go check it out. I don't, it was just like a department store of some kind. Anyways, we're downtown. And all of a sudden, we're in the store walking around, and this massive entourage of people comes walking through. Do you remember this? And it was like 
this, there was like security guards, like security guards for security guards for security guards. And in the middle of this pack of security guards were the, was this man and wife. And then there were security guards and security guards and security guards. And they were just walking around the store and they were everywhere. And I was like, what is happening? It wasn't, I looked at those people, I had no idea who they were. They didn't look like anybody that I should recognize from like a movie. It wasn't Jay-Z, it wasn't Beyonce. It was nobody that I recognized. And so we walk outside and literally walk out the front doors and there's just this car parked literally on the sidewalk at the front doors. But you know what that car had on it? It had those little flags that stick up that give it diplomatic immunity. You know what that means? They're exempt from all the parking rules on the road and they can park wherever they want. They're exempt from everything. These people were exempt. Listen, they're like, parking spots? What's a parking spot? I park wherever I want because I'm exempt from these little rules in your country about where I can park my car. When it's talking about freedom, you're exempt from the power or control that the enemy tries to have over you because of the work of Jesus Christ. You're exempt from it. When Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus crawled up there and his body was broken and bruised for you and me and that blood was shed... He made you exempt from the works of the enemy. So when the enemy tries to bring things into your life, Cam, you get to say to him, actually, I have diplomatic flags on my car so you can take a hike. You know, so many of us drive around in our, in our spiritual cars, so to speak. We've got these flags of the kingdom of God on the front that give us these passes where we don't have to surrender to the laws of the enemy. But instead of surrendering them, instead of reminding the enemy who we are, we just say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't park here. Oh, okay, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll go where i sure, put this bondage on me. Put this addiction on me. Put this hurt on me. Put this pain on me. I'll, whatever you want me, sure, it's, it's, you're the boss. You're the boss. But we forget the flags we have on the front of our car that are saying, in the name of Jesus, you're exempt. <laughs> Let me, let's go to the New Testament here. <laughs> uh, go with me to Luke chapter 4. Come on now. You know, Ephesians 4, verse 8, says that he led captivity captive. It's talking about Jesus when he rose from the grave, when he conquered death, hell, and the grave. It says that he led captivity captive. And you got to remember to who the Bible was written when it was written. You got to remember the context, what was being talked about. You got to remember that these people lived thousands of years ago, and so they had different understandings of kings and kingship and rulers and, and dominions and all that kind of stuff. And so the idea of a king leading somebody captive is they would go off to war. They would go fight these battles, and whoever they didn't kill, they would bring home as, as like captives. And what they would do is they would chain these people up that they had been fighting against, whether it was the king or, or his nobles or whoever it was, they would chain these guys up and drag them behind them as they came back into their kingdom, showing everybody in their realm, everybody who was under their authority, that they were the king, and these people that they just defeated were under their rule. In Ephesians 4, verse 8 says that Jesus led captivity captive. 
So he's talking about the things that have held you captive in your life, the things that you have dealt with for far too long, the things that you have struggled with and suffered through and just carried on. And you're like, well, this is my family heritage. My family dealt with this. My great-grandpa dealt with this. My grandpa dealt with this. My daddy dealt with this. I deal with it. My, gr- my son's going to deal with it. Probably my grandson. No. The Bible says that he led captivity captive. So the things that you have struggled with, he took those things and beat them once and for all and then chained them up and paraded them around his kingdom so you could see it. Well, it's pretty great. Because many of us forget that he's already won the war. Right? It says he led captivity captive. So whatever you're dealing with in your life, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're feeling is trying to make you captive in your life, whatever's trying to make you a slave to it, he has made that thing already his captive. And you don't have to be a slave to it no more. Luke chapter 4, are you there? Because I'm not. So Luke chapter 4, verse 18, I want to remind you of the works that Jesus came to do when he came to earth. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 this is just after Jesus had been out in the wilderness for fasting for 40 days. The Bible says that he was tempted, and he didn't sin. He came out of it, came out of the power of the Spirit, it says. Verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty or to set freedom those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is what Jesus came to do. This is who we are in Christ. You are set free in Christ. You can see because of Christ, because he came to restore sight to the blind. He came to heal the brokenhearted. This is who Jesus is. This is the work that he came to do on the cross. He came to set people free. I just love the picture that Jesus loves and cares for us so much that he left heaven, came down, and went to the cross so that we could walk in freedom. How sad do you think it makes him when he has given us a gift, when he has bought your freedom, when he has paid the price, but we choose to walk in captivity when we don't have to? It's like the elephant, baby elephant syndrome, you know? You know how they train baby elephants? You all know this. When they're babies, they tie them up, put a little stake in the ground so the elephant doesn't travel off because every time it tries to walk away, it's got a stake in the ground. It can only go so far. But as the elephant grows up, they take that thing off the elephant's leg, but the elephant still thinks it's there. It still thinks that it's held captive, still thinks that it's spiked to the ground, even though it's been removed. And so even though the elephant's not chained up, it won't wander off. Because it doesn't know it has freedom. I'm here to remind you today that through the power of Jesus Christ on the cross, you have freedom. You've been set free. John chapter 8, verse 36 says, Who the Son sets free, who the Son sets free, who the Son sets free, and guess what? You're already set free. He went to the cross and he paid that price for you and for me, for everybody who was before us and everybody who's coming after us, we have been set free. 
Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I think we're going to finish up here. Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. Let's read that in the Passion Translation. Now, the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. Wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. As I read this, I had the thought, because the way that the Passion Translation words this is a little different than every other translation, obviously. But it says, wherever he is, there is freedom. So then the following thought would be this. If there is not freedom in an area of my life, does that then mean that the Lord has not entered into that area of my life? And if he hasn't entered into that area of my life, it's probably because I haven't allowed him to. The Lord doesn't want to come into your life just in like, oh, I'll come and stay in this room of your heart, David. Don't worry, I'm not going to go over here. I'm not interested in what's in the attic of your heart. I'm not interested in what's in the basement. I'm only going to live in your living room. No, when the Lord comes in, he wants to come into every area of your life and bring his freedom. Because I don't know if you realize it or not, but a lot of us are messed up. A lot of us have areas of our life where we are dealing with things, we are dealing with enemies of the kingdom of God that we are struggling with and trying to make our way through. And the Lord wants to come in there and bring his freedom into every area. You don't know my area. You're right. I don't. I don't know your past. I don't know your unique, your, 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 here comes, your unique. Even when I was saying it, I knew I was having a hard time. I was like, it's coming. Don't just hang on. It's coming. The right word's coming. He knows your specific past, the things that only you have walked through, the things that only you've had to deal with, in what ways you've had to deal with them. And guess what? He still wants to bring his freedom in there. You're not so out of the box that God can't bring his freedom to you. Your past isn't so messed up and so different from everybody. God is not some cookie-cutter God where he can only work a certain way. The great thing about the Spirit of God is that he can flow into every area of your life, and no matter what your past looks like and no matter what your present looks like, God can get in there if you will allow him and begin to bring freedom and wholeness and restoration to every area of your life if you will allow him. Stand up with me. There's one last scripture. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. Says that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. And as I was talking to Marlene just before I walked up to worship in the second service, 
She's like, you know what's an even better way to say? That the anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. The work of Jesus on the cross, it destroys, it obliterates the work of the enemy in your life. He doesn't stand a chance. In fact, he didn't stand a chance. It's already been done. But it says the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. It's the anointing. What is the anointing? In the Old Testament, the anointing was the symbol of the presence of God, was the Holy Spirit. I believe that this is a house of freedom, that God is wanting to establish our home, to establish this house. is a house where people who are bound up, who are struggling, can come into His presence and leave changed and transformed. And the baggage that they've been carrying and the weights that they've been carting around with them all their life and the hurts and the pains and the generational things, all those, the past trauma, all those things they can come into. And as we enter the presence of God, that his anointing will break those things off and people will leave changed and transformed. Set free. Do you want to be set free? I don't, I don't want the churchy answer. Listen, if you don't want to be set free, then don't be set free. But from the bottom of your heart, I asked everybody in the 9 o'clock service this. You know, I said, if we're all standing here, if we were all honest with ourselves, and I wrote a list of 100 different things on the screen and said, listen, do you struggle with this? Do you struggle with this? Is, is this making you its, its slave? Are you under this? Are you dealing with this? There'd probably be something on there that we could all say, yeah, I struggle with that. And then if I asked you, if we're all looking at that list, and if I said to you, are any of you happy being subject to those things? Are, are any of you happy being subject to addiction, being a slave to addiction? Are any of you happy being like dealing with depression, dealing with sickness, dealing with broken relationships? Not one person would say, yeah, you know what? I really enjoy being bound up to lust. I really enjoy dealing with depression. I really enjoy thinking about wanting to kill myself all the time because my life is worthless. And there's no point in me being here. And if I was just gone, everybody else would be happier. And I don't know what's on the other side, but I'd probably be happier too. Yeah, I'd really enjoy that. Not one person would say that. But if I said, who wants to be set free by the presence of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. If we're all looking at those lists, and I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you in your mind's eye to look up at that screen and see the enemy of the kingdom of God that is trying to make you its slave. And I want to ask you right now, do you want to be set free from that? Yes, I want to quit smoking weed. I'm tired of being addicted to weed. Yes, I don't want to deal with these relationship issues anymore. Yes, I don't want to be depressed anymore. I don't want to be suicidal anymore. I don't want to carry this hurt and this wound and this trauma that I've carried from generation to generation to generation. I want to be set free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And here's what I want to do. If you want to be set free, I want to help you this morning. Isaiah 10, 
27 says, the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. I believe that there are people here in this room that God wants to set free today. There are people here, listen to me, there are people here that God wants to set free that you have been carrying things around for far too long. And today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of freedom for you. And if you want to be set free, I want you to come down front, come line up at the front, and I'm going to anoint you with oil. The Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage, and we are going to break the yoke of bondage together because I believe the Spirit of God is wanting to do something. So if you want to be set free today, I want you to come on down front. I don't want you to wait for nobody. I don't want you to wait for it. I'm not going to count. Just come on down. Just come on down. Make room for everybody. Fill this front row up. The Spirit of God is wanting to do something. Today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. Freedom is coming to the house today. Freedom is coming to your life today. Freedom is coming to your situation today. Come on. There is freedom in the presence of God. There is freedom. There is salvation. There is wholeness. There is restoration today. God is wanting to work and wanting to move. Let's take a minute. I'm going to come along in a second and just anoint you all. You can help me. Let's just take a moment. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.